In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovis.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and don't go gently, y'all. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So there are a couple of issues in the hunting space that have sort of opinions on both sides of the equation. And we feel like at Blood Origins, we have the opportunity to listen to both sides and hear both sides for why they believe what they believe and why they stand on the position they stand on. Main Sunday hunting is one of those issues. You have people on the pro-ban side, and then you have others that are pro-Sunday hunting side. And so we wanted to have conversations with both. And so this podcast is with Don Kleiner. He's a longtime outfitter, and he is a pro-ban activist, essentially. He is pro-the banning of Sunday hunting. And you'll hear his specific reasons for why he is interested in maintaining the rule that is that it is banned in Maine to hunt on a Sunday. You may think that sounds a little nonsensical. So here's Don's reasoning to why it's not nonsensical. Now remember, stay tuned for the very next podcast in which we podcast with someone who is actually pro bringing hunting to Maine on a Sunday. So enjoy. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is... <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. All right, everybody, it's Cody. I'm back again here at the Blood Origins podcast, and this is uh, part two of a uh, two episodes, really, that we will release back to back. Um, and uh, it's a discussion on Sunday hunting in Maine. Um, we have, uh, you know, not, not necessarily a, uh, nationwide or worldwide issue, but, uh, 
we have some connections to Maine. We have one of our one of our uh, part time staff members works is lives in Maine. Um, with Robbie and I have both hunted quite a bit in Maine. We love Maine. Um, and it's an interesting conversation, I think. And so we wanted to hear from both sides of it. Today, we have Don Kleiner. Don, did I get your last name right? You did. Well done. Tried. I tried. My last name is Heitschmidt. So you learn to spend some time paying attention to pronunciations after having that butchered by uh, elementary school children for a long time. Um, Don, uh, Don, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? You have kind of a, uh, what I would consider a... Uh, experienced and prestigious resume um, and some thoughts on this issue. So tell us about uh, Don. I've been a guide for now 37 years. Uh, I do fishing trips in the summer, some canoe trips for the for families kind of stuff. And for many years, probably 35, I've guided up on bird hunters for Austin Woodcock and actually just retired from that last fall. So I'm looking forward to hunting myself next fall. Right. So, um, I've worked at the Fish and Wildlife Agency for four years and I'm appointed physician uh, back around the turn of the century and worked as the executive director of the Guides Association here in Maine for a little better than 10 years. What uh, I also, I, I, I ran an outfitting business in Kansas for several years and uh, while I loved it, Boy, do I get to hunt a lot more now that I don't do it in, anymore. And so uh, I, I love that. It's not a, it's not like I uh, unburdened a huge burden on my shoulders. I, I, I liked doing it, um, but uh, it is a lot more fun to be able to go out in the woods on your own so, schedule. Well, and for um, the last 20 years, I've guided a remote camp, which basically meant you weren't home for the month of October. Right, right. So not only were you not hunting for yourself, you weren't with your family as well. So let's 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 dive into it, Don. Tell me uh, your thoughts, stance, um, any history of the topic that you want to sprinkle in on Sunday hunting in Maine. So let's go way back to the beginning because I it is a pretty fascinating conversation. Um, first of all, need to re remember that in merry old England before the colonists came here, wildlife was the property of the landowner. There were laws in England where if you killed a rabbit on the Lord's Manor, you could be put to death. So when the colonists first came, they were very interested in having the wildlife uh, belong to the people, which is in fact the current North American model. Uh, they separated the land rights from the wildlife. In other words, in America today, or in the United States today, uh, the wildlife is the property of the people. The property owners still own the land where the wildlife lives. So we inherently set up a conflict uh, right there. And different states have resolved it in different ways. The other thing that's interesting in Maine is we are a state of open access. If land is not posted, you are welcome to hunt it. Now, if the landowner comes and says, I don't want you here, you have to leave. But it's assumed that you have open access to any land in the state to pursue essentially your share of the wildlife. So again, set up a conflict here. We are the hunters, are the guests of the landowners. 
and Maine is 94% privately owned at this point. We don't have a lot of public land. Uh, we do have pretty significant remote regions that are corporately owned for the most part. They used to be paper companies, but they're no longer that. And we've enjoyed open access. I mean, even here in this part of the state where I live, it's pretty well settled. But there's a lot of just open land. During the bird season, you could just go hunt on a bird cover. I encourage you to ask permission. But for the most part, people will say, yeah, go right ahead. Part of that bargain, then, in the last, now in my experience anyway, in the last 30 years, was landowners said, you got open access six days a week. We want the seventh as ours, where we can go on our land without learning about hunter. And I think, I don't think I've heard anybody say that they thought I was unsafe or that worried about it. They just like having one day that's their own. And I, and you can understand that. And then on the other side, there are the hunters who, of course, many, and Maine being a rural state, a lot of people work six days a week. So where does that leave them? Again, we've got this conflict, and it's been an ongoing conversation throughout my career. It's, it's a pretty interesting one. So what, not that anything that I'm about to say matters, but let me give you my my historical perspective first of all i grew up in kansas and there was never any restrictions um the restrictions were kind of i think my dad having the stones to say we were going to be in the duck blind on sunday morning instead of at the lutheran church right like i think that was but that was our big uh right our big conflict i um, mean we were we were in the we were in the pew at the lutheran church more often than not but we also had some great duck hunts on Sunday mornings, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian who's firmly believes that a duck blind is just as good a place to talk to God as a as a building that someone designated. Um. So it was never it never affected me personally. I now live in Colorado, where it doesn't affect me personally either. Um, I have worked in this space, um, in this uh, hunter rights, hunter advocacy space for uh about three or four years now um and initially when someone says no hunting on sundays i still feel like this is probably true that that originally derived from from a church standpoint that uh, it certainly was a blue law there's no two ways about it right um, right and and only ever contemplating that um, I'm adamantly opposed to that. I'm adamantly opposed to the church having that effect on people who, I'm, in, in that little microcosm, I'm adamantly opposed to it. I, I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, then Aaron, who works with us at Blood Origins and who you know um, and lives in Maine, presented me with this. There's landowners that let us go six days a week and they want to break one day a week and never like, maybe I should have, right? Like maybe it's embarrassing, but I never did, but I never contemplated anything other than like the Puritans that were causing people <laughs> to not be able to hunt on Sundays, right? Like that, I was like, 
how in 2020 can this 200 plus year old thought process be it's probably not there's still some people that think you should be in a pew instead of a tree stand but i don't think that should be a law um and aaron really made me rethink it and reconsider it and give it uh give it another look at i mean and this is in the last six weeks six weeks and one day ago i thought it was crazy that anyone would ever think that you shouldn't hunt on sunday so that's my uh that's kind of my history with this subject and again my my opinion i'm a firm believer that my opinion doesn't really matter because i'm not a mainer right i just think this is an interesting discussion um and so i convinced robbie to let me talk to both sides of this argument yeah um but i do i'm also not a giant fan of nitpicking niche examples in arguments but i do have some examples of things that i think Maybe other people are thinking, I don't know, maybe me and two other guys in the world think that, I don't know, um, but that I guess I'd like to get your response to. Um, and one of those is, is private land, like my land. Like if, if I lived in Maine and I worked in, and I was an accountant in town six by Monday through Friday, I'd be pissy about the state not letting me hunt my land on Sunday. What, yeah. is, is there a compromise there, or do we not even want to that approach that? An interesting thing. I, I hear you, and I get it. I, I mean, um, the thing to understand is in a great deal of the state of Maine, property boundaries are not defined. Um, they're a stone wall or a corner, and there's no real delineation of that property boundary a great example there's a piece behind me that's landlocked and anyone that wanted to hunt that property on any day and, and if i said no on sunday first there's no way to know where my land ends and his starts and second here's the interesting piece if i say no hunting on sunday he's landlocked does that mean I can prevent you from crossing my land to get to his? So there are a lot of those kind of issues that I think set hunters up to get nitpicky summonses, which is not a place I want to go. And it also sets landowners up in an antagonistic situation with hunters, which I really don't want to go to. Um, for however many years, we've gotten along pretty well and had mutual interests much of the time and it's brought us this far i'm reluctant to throw over that relationship for one day a week okay so now let me ask this and there's i, I promise you there's i over let me back up i think you're right on all those points i think that those complications not only could, but probably will arise, right? Uh, I, I'm re I'd be willing to bet a pretty large sum of money that they will all occur. I don't, I, I will say, if I had a chunk of ground in Maine and I wanted to hunt it on Sundays, I would just say, okay, we're, we're going to have to deal with those things. We're gonna, I'm going to keep pushing for this because I don't, I don't, 
uh, subscribe to because of these complications. I think this thing is right. I think I should be able to hunt my ground. Not when I want to. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not a crazy up in, I'm borderline a crazy up in the mountains, but not full blown. I'm going to abide by the laws. I wouldn't hunt it on Sunday right now in Maine. But I do feel like if it's the season and there's a quota and I have a license and I'm doing everything else, taking away 50% of my weekend to do it, I, I would push back on. It's not a disagreement with you that the complications would happen. I think it's me saying I would think the complications were worth dealing with. Yeah. Well, um, the, other, the other piece of that is that part of this conversation at the legislature last session uh, the Department of Fish and Wildlife did a public opinion survey. And 40% of the people that currently do not post their land would begin to post over this issue. So there's something in play here bigger than your rights. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that, that, that's where I was headed. Secondly, is and I, I also well, don't disagree that that would happen, that, that there are some landowners out there that enjoy their peaceful Sundays enough that the other six days of access would be lost. Like, that's a thing that I agree with you would happen. Um, I think all kinds of arguments and discussions could be had as to what level that would happen. Um, I think a guy that hunted a piece of ground um, that it didn't happen on and all of a sudden got double the amount of days because he could only get out there on Saturdays and now he can do it on Sundays might argue that that's worth it, right? Because his piece of ground, and I, I get that that's a selfish argument on his part, but he might argue that that's worth it. Um, and I, I, again, I don't disagree with you that that complication would happen as to what magnitude or level or what actual reduction of access, that's going to be a, is that's going to be a, a matter of conjecture and opinion. Well, so the elephant in the room is, that's the small landowner speaking. The big guys have been pretty clear that they will stand with the little guys. So you just put 11 million acres at risk. Maybe that's worth it. Maybe it's not. But that's kind of where the conversation gets to pretty quickly. Is there a possibility, or let, let me preface this question that I fully realize that I'm asking other people, with this statement, I would be asking other people, I would be inconveniencing other people for my better. I, I'm aware what I'm doing. Could those landowners post a no hunting on Sunday? Well, how would you enforce it? I mean, that's, yes, they certainly could. It's ludicrous on the face. Well, wouldn't you enforce it the same way that you enforce no Sunday, no, no trespass, that posted land yeah. now? Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, and, and again, I'm not. Yeah, no, not, I, I, and understand that I've been around long enough. I've seen probably every iteration of this, and the interesting one that came out last time was the people that are in favor of this were willing to go to reverse posting, which just fascinated me. 
In other words, to hunt anywhere, you would need written landowner permission, which also, interestingly, landowners don't want. They don't want to have to give you written permission. Right. I, I can understand that. I came from a... I guided in Kansas where that's what it is. If yep. I... If I if a if a game warden stopped you on a piece of ground and your name wasn't on the D, like I know many a kid that that actually got chewed out and even a ticket written because they were on grandpa's land, but didn't have the paper in their hands. And right. I, I understand that. And and I I mean I went through I burnt thousands of gallons of gasoline driving to resident to landowner houses as an outfitter to get the actual piece of paper right. um not because they didn't want to give it to me but they just kept forgetting to mail it to me yeah. you know and well, all of a sudden why? all of a sudden yeah yeah all of a sudden i had a deer hunt in two days and didn't have the britain permission in my um i understand the hassles of that i do i wouldn't want i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to provoke that in maine that that it's required. I think it's an incredible law, and I think it makes it. Uh, you know, you especially talk about the the huge tracts of timber company land. Um, if written permission came about as a legal mandate, there it just wouldn't happen. Like that would just. Like, they're not going to do that. They're not going to write those things down and hand out permission slips and and uh, do those kind of things for all the folks that have access up there. So I understand that point. I still, I still can't help but feel for, you know, you, you, I'm going to, I'm going to make this sound like I'm picking on you for a second, but you, you get to be in the woods or on the water essentially whenever you want to, maybe sometimes more than you want to. Um, and there's, there's a, there's a group of people out there, no idea what the number is. But I do know some of them, so I know this group of people exists. But that Saturday and Sunday is their only day. Yeah, no, I get that completely. And, yeah, and it, uh, I can't help but feel for them. I can't help but think that there has to be a solution for them. I can't help but think that there's a not a compromise to, you know, Maybe it's express written permission on on Sundays, which again goes back to I didn't mean to argue with you that, that any of this would be easy to enforce, but nothing's easy to enforce for Maine game wardens. I've spent enough time in the Maine woods to know that my ass was lost the entire time that I wasn't with someone. Um, and it, there's, but that's the part that I can't like that in my own land. Like those are my two things that if, if I own 600 acres of Maine and land, I'd be a squeaky wheel. I would, I'd be a pain in the butt, especially, you know, like I said, if I was an accountant in town and, and had, and was in town when the sun was up during the week. Um, or if I was, if I was just a rake, just a, just a Joe, you know, that worked for a plumbing company and, Saturday and Sunday. How how long is the deer season? The two week whitetail season. Five weeks. Okay, so so I had I I have five days kind of. 
before I, before I, before I burn Thanksgiving. Sure. I get it. But either way, half my days a week are cut off. 25% of my potential four day weekend for Thanksgiving is cut off. Um, and that's why I don't, uh, and again, I don't have a dog in this fight because I'm going to go hunting every Sunday that I can in Colorado, but, and it's totally different ball game, right? Like don't step on private ground in Colorado, but also we have millions and millions and right. millions of acres of public. That is the difference. When I say that we are 94% privately owned, Colorado is what percent privately owned? It's got to be about 15%. It's very small. Yeah, I, I don't even know the number, but you're right. See what it's I'm very... saying? It's a completely different ball game because of private ownership. Uh, and I get it. I don't want to say your points are not valid because I think they are. But it's a, the situation is a little different. No, I didn't. I, I complete, that's a completely valid point. Um, and, and I would argue that we have something that is utterly unique in the United States of America in terms of open access six days a week. And the loss of that would be significant, would be significant to our heritage. I think that's true. I, I think that statement that you just made would true is true. I think you could. Uh... Okay, so I've I've talked to uh, the other side. No, well, good. Uh, I mean, we got valid. Oh so yeah, yeah. And I, I I think that they would say. I don't think that they would say. I know that they would say they don't feel like there's been any opportunity for compromise, and I'm not saying that's the case. I'm I'm passing along like, like what if we came and said you can hunt on private land in Maine with a piece of written permission in your hand on Sundays. I, I mean, that doesn't, I'm siding with the landowners here and it is what it is. But doesn't that still completely inform, doesn't that not create any new work for the landowner? They don't have to post. Oh. If, if on Sunday, you're hunting on my land, actually, on Sunday, let's extend it even further. You're walking across my land without permission with a loaded rifle to access my neighbor's land behind me. So you just made work for me because if I don't want you there, I have to now call law enforcement. I'm a in criminal made A criminal made work for you, though, not this law. Someone breaking the law made work for you. Right, but I, I'm not all that excited about making hunters into criminals. That's not something I'm not I, either. No, I'm not in any way excited about that. I am excited. I mean, I'm willing to make trespassers into criminals. Right, but, but I don't want to set up a situation where that's likely to occur. And on both sides, I don't want the hunter dealing with law enforcement, and I don't want the landowner having to deal with law enforcement because he, ha he or she has a problem. And I guess I, I guess I would at least contemplate and discuss, is it worth giving, giving those guys and gals 
another day of access, a week, to deal with some of those contingencies. I don't know because I don't know what would happen. I don't know how often it would happen. I don't know how many landowners would post. And also, I live in Colorado, and I overplayed this, but I don't have a dog in this fight. But I guess I would be, I would be, I would, I would be pushing for let's try it and see how much of that happens, or let because I really and truly feel like that guy that was given was given the weekend um has has the right to that does that is that at off off base you think or crazy on my part uh, it's a legitimate point and again we've had this discussion in my career at least 20 times and the legislature has decided at the end of the day the open access we have is worth giving up that day. Now, will that change yet? Is it likely that the uh, open act that we enjoy currently will change? How much? I don't have the answer to that. I don't think anybody does. Right. Um, and also re understand I represent only myself. So you're just getting my opinion at this point. No, I, I value it. And I'll, I'll tell you this, that, again, like in my example before, six weeks and one day ago, I probably would have been like, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty easygoing guy. Like, I wouldn't have been yelling at you, but I would have been way less. Uh, I, I think that you have way more valuable and legitimate issues going clear back to you know i thought that literally the puritans enacted this law and nobody wanted like i was i was i was i, was, I had a lack of knowledge on this that made me way more set in my roots on one side of this debate i still do have um i think i think access whether it's whether it's land access or time, um, are the single biggest contributing factors to folks that don't have a lot of means getting into the outdoors and hunting. I think those are the two biggest things. Um, whether it's on Saturday they got a soccer game, basketball game, and a birthday party, um, and then on Sunday they can't hunt. And those oh. are things that I think are worth discussing, talking about, as well as I think land access and land access being driven by not allowing hunting or private commercial hunting, you know, excluding a chunk of ground, all those things. I think now it's not so cut and dry that everyone should be able to hunt whenever they want and wherever they want. That's just as ridiculous. Um, but uh, it does, it does, I, I, I am willing to, to have conversations about how do we get that guy in Banger who, you know, is is just starting out in life and just got his job as a plumber and wants to keep hunting and the weekend's the only option, but he's got a soccer game on Saturday and so he quits hunting, right? Like, I know I just gave this extreme example and it's not what's happening to everyone and it's not the only reason hunter numbers are declining and it's not this big silver bullet idea that I have. Um, but I think that's part of it. And I think there's an opportunity for compromise, maybe. 
Well, so, so far, the legislature has not heard that idea yet. Uh, and I'm not but saying it doesn't exist. They haven't seen that that, because this is in statute. This is not the Fish and Wildlife Department deciding to do something. The legislature will have to vote on it, and the governor will have to sign it. So the bar is relatively high. No, yeah, and it's a big, it, it's a big change. Because I gave this example of where if I was a landowner and I wanted to hunt my own ground, I'd be pissed off I couldn't hunt it on Sundays. And if I was a landowner and I got my day of peace on Sunday from the other six days a week because my land was too close to a big population area and it sounds like Gettysburg out there the other six days of the week during deer season, and I loved my Sundays, I get that. I really, I really and truly do. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm, 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 you know, if I was the benevolent dictator of Maine right now, um, I would try to, to, to force a compromise, <laughs> Just, you know, and I wouldn't be the benevolent dictator anymore, well, right? Well, and, I, and actually, I would say you've got, in the form of a hunter slash guide, you've got the wrong person here. The landowners are who we need to be talking to. Right. And I've, I've talked to some landowners and I've talked to some guides. Very few. I'm not claiming like I did some statewide scientific study. I talked to about four people total in my, really the four people that fall into those categories in Maine that I know. That's it. That's my, right. that are, that are landowners and or slash guides. Um, and I got, honestly, I got four different opinions, kind of yeah. like, like, no, yes, maybe, maybe not. Right. Like those were the, like, and that's, <laughs> it's the joy of, that's the joy of political decisions. Um, I just want people to be able to go and, and hunt in a, in a legal and, and justifiable way if they can. And I think that. I would almost like, like it, the whole thing would have been better if it was Thursdays, right? Like if, if whoever made the original law way back in the day had made it Thursdays, the whole thing would be better. It wouldn't even really be an argument. We'd be like, all right, we take Thursdays and the landowner gets some peace. I know I'm, I'm being ridiculous for the sake of, of making an example, but uh, I don't know what the answer is. I will say that I, it, it, uh, I think there's probably some people that kind of fall out of their desire to hunt because of access. Or, and and, it, or, it, and it, land access is critical. Right. That's why I think that's that this conversation is so important. Because without land, it doesn't matter how many days a week you got. You still you got no access. And, and you think like this is a this is a who knows question. Well, you said that they said it, but you think like Weyerhaeuser would jump in with the small landowners and post? Well, I have having met with those people long enough in the last twenty five years, I had no reason not to believe them. Yeah, that's that was a stupid question. And, and, you know matter. as well as I do that in other places where those companies operate, they make as much from access fees as they do from timber. I mean, I've had them tell right. me much in, in meetings, and 
we don't want that boogeyman here. And that's the other in the back of my mind worry. Well, it doesn't seem like we're going to, at least to my accord, solve this entire situation right here on this podcast episode. Uh, I don't believe, between you and I, having batted this around now for 30 years or better, I don't believe there's a good solution here. Either way. Yeah, I just, I guess, I guess I'm going to fall. I've, I've, uh, I've got a uh, closet libertarian inside of me that is going to fall with the with that private landowner and the public dude's right to go out and and keep encouraging people who have zero reason to give any basis to my encouragement um, to push for a compromise that that we can find a way that that so, can you still trespass? Can you still can I can I still hike and fish? An ATV and snowmobile on Sundays on private land? Yes. But that's the other piece of the conversation here is we have extensive snowmobile trails. Not as good of a system of ATV trails, but it's not bad. Um, and all of those are predicated on landowner access, landowner permission. Which at this you can still you can still wing that two cycles snowmobile that sounds like a right P fifty one Mustang through their property and and but you can't bow hunt. That's correct. And do you see where that's a little? I mean, am I? That's a little. Uh, oh yeah, I get it. But it's I a get little it. perplexing. Um. Again, I, I mean, I've kind of been through this trade-off like you were doing right now and going, okay, I'm falling on the side of the landowners because I want land access. I think that's more important. You're going, I think time access is more important. I get it. I don't disagree. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know that I heard it differently. And that's where I am. The I don't know that I have a blanket statement that time access is more important, but for some individuals it is. Sure. For some people, it is. And, and, and the I don't. piece now is we just passed a constitutional amendment that gives people the right to food. And the Sunning Hunting folks just instituted a lawsuit that they have a right to hunt on Sunday for food. It's going to be fascinating. And, and this may not be legislatively resolved. Who knows what's going to happen here? Yeah, I've seen that, and I don't know where I stand on that. I, I don't know. I Sometimes you get into all the legal juggling which avenue to take to get to our right. mission, and I, I, it's probably that I just don't really completely understand it, so I get frustrated and don't want to deal with it, I guess, especially when it's in a state I don't, I don't live in, but um, it, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's an argument there. I mean, there's, there are people and now Maine, you know, not now Maine has made it important enough that it's a constitutional statement. Um, and those folks that choose to live that way are out 50% are not, not out because they've always been out there and don't have 50% of their weekend to do that. I, I guess there's a, it's weird to me 
I'm not a great big fan of things going to the courts because it doesn't really just seem like that much of a decision by the people. Um, but sometimes it's necessary. Uh, whatever. I, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. arguing. I'm arguing with myself. Is what I mean, I'm it's, doing. It's just a fascinating twist in it, and frankly, one I didn't see coming. I expected some pushback on season bag limits, that sort of thing. I before I expected a Sunday hunting push. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I probably should be a better podcast host and be more resolute in my thought processes on it. <laughs> and uh, but I I do think it's a great conversation. Um, I really appreciate your uh, coming on. You know, as well as uh, it se it seems to me like you have a uh, understanding of the conflict, right? Which I think is uh, is kind of what we what we lack a lot in this country. Um, not, not just to hugging and outdoor rules, but just to life that un understanding that the other person isn't black and white, 100% wrong and stupid because they don't agree with me. Um, if we had a pill that just made everybody do that, I think the world would rapidly become a better place. I am so, so there. Uh, I've worked with the Maine legislature now for 30 years, uh, almost always on fish and wildlife issues. And the thing I always tell people is I admire the legislature because it's a citizen legislature. We don't have career politicians. Um, when you go and sit in front of the Fish and Wildlife Committee, you will hear every opinion that you hear at the coffee shop in town. And those people work it out for those. It's not as, as collegial as it once was, but it's still pretty darn good. And I admire those people because they bring the attitude that you just said you like. And I think you've done a good job too, right? You disagreed me from the get-go. And we had a pretty civil conversation. So, yeah. and that's, I'm with you. That's what's lost in America today. It's kind of an admirable thing. Like, I don't, I don't think Mainers have the fortitude to hold it out forever. But I think as in, in general, um, even Colorado, Colorado, they used to be one of the big things I admired about Colorado was, you know, there was just a lot of, a lot of cowboys and hippies at the same bar. Um, it now in Colorado, it seems like they've all moved, right? They're all still in Colorado, but they moved to separate places. So all they do is sit in an echo chamber. And, yeah. and I've been in restaurants in small towns in Maine where there was every socioeconomic demographic political I feel like it's just like you fell into this weird melting pot in a town of 50 people which doesn't happen very often right yeah. like normally you get into those small towns and one philosophy has kind of driven all yep. the other philosophies out not necessarily even intentionally just and uh yeah it's nothing to to have a hippie and a mountain man at the same bar in a cafe in Maine in a way that it's not like that in a, in a lot of places. And I, I love it about it. I looked at land in Maine um, and thought about moving there. My family wasn't so centralized in the United States. Um, it was, it was on the list of places to look at. So 
Don, I really appreciate your time. Anything that I've kept you from saying or that you want to close out with? Or... <laughs> you couldn't hold me back if you wanted to. <laughs> right. right. That's, that's what Aaron told me, so I was excited. <laughs> no, All I, good? good for you, because this is a really good conversation, I think, for hunters to have amongst themselves to kind of sort out where are we on all of this? And how do we deal with the landowners and, and how do we keep that heritage alive? And it's all good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's our, that's our whole focus here with this podcast is trying to get people to have uh, I just really do. And we, we get accused of being like wishy-washy um, <laughs> and that's not the case at all. You know, when, when there's something that we, know with all of our hearts and minds that's right we fight really really hard um and we'll dig in and not give up um this is this is a legitimate um argument that has two sides to it um and i think you know another thing that's happened in this world today is nobody remembers how long you know that nobody remembers that nearly two decades that it took to get our constitution wrote right like yeah we, 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 a lot of these things were not, no matter how much better the communication and transportation is, there's a lot of issues that we're not going to, we're not going to solve maybe ever, right? Like that's part of it too, is some of it is we may just have to back and forth, seesaw, wish, wash around forever on some of these issues, trying to do the best we can. Um, and some of them, the solutions take a lot of time and the changing of generations and public mentalities and 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 or the ability of those generations and public mentalities to stick and ride with a tradition as well while others push at it there's there's a a lot of those things that um you know just sitting down and having a talk about right. them and a beer and is a way to do it well and an interesting from the this is the you can't hold me back part um Interesting thing, as hunters, we're kind of aging as a group. I see your hair is a little bit on the grayer side. Mine is completely. Yeah, yours is way grayer than mine. Quit pointing mine out. You got a lot more gray than I do. <laughs> um, but that's also the case in small landowners in Maine. So that we're about to see this generational transition in the next 20 years. And I don't think anybody knows what are they going to think of us hunting on their land? How is that going to be different? Right now, it's it's grandma and grandpa who go, yeah, they, you know, Don always hunted down there. Just let him, just ignore him. He's not a problem. But the next generation that takes over may not feel that way. And that, again, to your point, over time, this is going to change. And in ways I'm sure none of us can see. No, 100%. 100%. I agree. Don, thanks a bunch, man. I'm going to go ahead and and uh, shut this down. Have Again, we didn't fix the world's problems, but we didn't, <laughs> Sorry. We didn't call each other names either, so I think but, we did. Oh, man. That's, that said something. All right. Thanks for You'll your time. Show me the link when you have this done. Yeah, absolutely. We'll let the world know. Perfect. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for today. Appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.